that's a growler. Welcome back to Beauty and the Beast Lee Minute, the podcast where we break down and analyze Beauty and the Beast, one angry mob member at a time. I'm Bobby from Growler Media. And I'm Carrie. I've been here before. <laughs> <laughs> and we are your hosts for Beauty and the Beastly Minute. Today, today, we are talking about Minute 71 of Beauty and the Beast, which starts off with Gaston saying, Take whatever booty you can find! And ends with LeFou grabbing Lumiere as the mob enters the Beast's castle. But before we jump into the minute, we have to address the elephant in the room. And that is that, hey, this episode, episode 71, is coming out like four months after episode 70. <laughs> Sorry. We moved. Um, yeah, yeah, we moved and life and uh, all that fun stuff. But we're back now. So if you missed us, we're sorry. Hopefully you went back and re-listened to those other 70 episodes just to just to keep it fresh in your mind. Because we're not easing back into it. We're, we're going right back into it. Peak of action here. Well, not quite the peak, but it's, it's one of the more action-packed moments um, as the mob busts their way into the castle. So, what do you got to start us off with, Carrie? Well, first off, it's that first Gaston quote. Take whatever booty you can find. Booty. I'm thinking, did the French in this time period know the word booty? I mean, I feel like obviously it would be in French, but it's a pirate term. So, I mean, where would Gaston have heard that from? Unless, I mean, he he doesn't read. We already know that much. Mm-hmm. So, like, where does he pick up pirate lingo? Well, it's possible. I mean, there was some speculation that he had some kind of uh, possibly military training or that he was the game warden or something. And so it's... Yeah, it's pretty pretty likely that he would have been around sailors or, you know, pirates or soldiers, someone in the Navy. Um, but even then, I, I mean, you ask a kid what pirate booty is now. You know, that's I feel like that would be a pretty common thing to, to have stories and talk about is pirate's treasure. Well, I think nowadays they'd say chip. They'd say what? Chips. The chips. Pirate's booty. They'd say chips? Yeah, it's a name for chips. It's called Pirate's Booty. You go to the store and they have Pirate's Booty chips. That's what it's called. What are you talking about? There's a <laughs> chips king. Okay, just to clarify, there is a type of chip that is called Pirate's Booty. As far as I know, I've actually never seen it myself, but I'm getting this information from the movie Kate and Leopold where the little kid comes to his house <laughs> and he says, want some pirate's booty? And he hands him this bag of chips. Mm, I feel like that might be made up for a movie. But I i don't know. It, it could be. I don't know why be. they would make that up for the movie. Why not mm. just say something else? I guess like if they don't want to say a real kind of chips, that might make sense. But either way, I thought of the pirate's booty chips from Kate and Leopold, even if they aren't real chips. Another great movie. Very good movie. We should do all Meg Ryan movies. That Oi. Oi. <laughs> before the lips change. I don't even know what you're talking about now. She got like Botox in her lips and they got all puffy. And it's like, no, Meg Ryan, don't mess with your face. People mm. like your face. Mm. Well. <laughs> <laughs> you can cut that out if you don't want. Just get rid of the pirate's booty stuff. 
<laughs> Coming back from the Meg Ryan minute. Uh, the the first note I had besides booty is that Gaston here at the very beginning of the minute, he very clearly has three arrows in his quiver. Now, I'm not really sure how many he shoots later on, but I just wanted to make a note of that. Here at the beginning, we see him, he's got three arrows, so he better not shoot any more than that in the upcoming minutes. I feel like there's not a lot of arrow shooting in that coming up fight scene. I can't remember more than like that very first arrow being shot. Yeah, I think he walks around with an arrow knocked a lot, but I don't think he actually shoots a bunch of arrows. Maybe the beast like hits it away or something. We'll have to wait and see and talk about that when it comes. But consider it noted, there are three arrows in the quiver total. That just that just always bugs me whenever you've got fighting scenes and the the quiver never empties and the six shooter shoots like 12 times and you know the shotgun just keeps going and it's like okay come on e- even if you got a Glock that you know holds 15 20 rounds yeah, they just keep going. So let's also note that there's no sight of a a knife this whole time that Gaston has a knife like in his belt or whatever. Yeah. Can't see any of that all throughout this Kill the Beast song. So no knife, only three arrows. We're we're taking tally of the weapons here. And I don't remember where he pulls the knife from. So maybe he pulls it from his boot or from behind his cape, like between his cape and his back. And so it could be concealed. We'll have to wait and see where that comes from. Yeah, I can't remember either. We shall see. And of course, uh, I'm pretty sure we talked about it in our last minute that this mirror is glowing all the while. It's like, why is it still glowing? And, you know, we're we're guessing it's GPS related. We, t- we mm-hmm. talked about that. It's just noting it's still glowing. Still glowing. I do like how um, throughout this scene and, you know, the next... Right, I guess it's just this scene, but the next few minutes, the rain, they did a great job making the rain look, you know, like it's coming in a downpour. They kind of have like sheets of it. So it's, you have waves of it coming down and you kind of get that feeling of like the waves of rain instead of just like having a constant rain come down. They kind of make it feel a lot more stormy and intense by having just how they animated the rain to look look like it's coming down in, in layers and sheets and blowing around and stuff. They did a really good job. It definitely adds to the intensity of the moment, too. It's like, you know, sudden wall of rain during this kills a beast. They're attacking and everything. It adds to the intensity. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the next note I have is about the lyrics that the mob is singing. All right, I got a couple before then, then. Okay, yeah, go ahead. I got him. He says, you know, take whatever booty you can find, but the beast is mine. And I'm thinking, what? Gaston, you just riled all these 50 Frenchmen up to come kill the beast. And now you're saying you're the only one allowed to touch him? Like, Yeah, he's the boss man. But I mean, why did he even bring all these guys with him then? What's their purpose? Reinforcements. They got to attack the castle. They don't know what's in there. They're his backup. So they're just like his expendable people in case like, you know, the pack of wolves. Oh, the yeah. pack of wolves would have attacked him by himself and then the mission's over. But if he's got a few expendables... Then he's good. You just can't storm a castle alone. But he wants the glory of hunting the beast. You know, we heard that since the beginning of the movie. The I forget exactly what LeFou says, but basically like no beast is a match for him or something like that. So he's he's got to be the one that takes the beast down. That's his, his a point of pride for him that he's he's got to be the one to take down the beast, especially since Belle turned him down for the beast. Yeah, that's true. I'm just, I mean, to me, 
it would make me mad if I was one of these Frenchmen and we're chanting this whole kill the beast thing and it's really only the one guy who's getting to kill the beast and the rest of us are, especially when they like enter the castle in a minute and there is nobody to fight, presumably. Like, I feel like they must have been like, why are we here? This is kind of dumb. Well, and this kind of reveals the mob mentality that they put into this film, which which holds true a lot of times that Gaston riled them up talking about the beast, you know, saying, hey, we got to stop this. This is horrible. Everybody gets mad. Yeah, yeah, we got to stop the beast. Let's go get the beast. And then they get there. And if you compare it to the stuff that happens nowadays, it's it's a riot. It's not actually caring if the objective gets completed. They're just there because they're angry and they're not really sure what they're angry at, but they're angry and they want to break stuff and smash stuff and steal stuff. And that's what's going on here. You know, he gets them riled up. Oh yeah, the beast is going to hurt you. It's going to get your families. Okay. Yeah. We get mad about that. But then we actually get there and he's like, Hey, you know, take whatever you want. I'm getting the beast. And so then they're kind of satisfied. Like, okay, no, he's going to do what we came here to do. But since we're here and you know, let's go ahead and grab whatever we want and take what we want. And that's kind of the difference between people that are actually going to to fight like against an evil force or you know to to protect their families or whatever they're going to go and they're going to get the job done and they're going to go home versus a mob that's just getting riled up and then destroying and, and looting and so that's that's what they're here to do they're here to, to break into the castle steal what they can sure the beast might get taken down but most of the mob they're not really that concerned about that because they just found out about it a few minutes ago yeah i can see it that's a good explanation like they don't actually care so much about killing the beast it's all that testosterone mm-hmm. <laughs> no no comment there about me being sexist <laughs> no <laughs> okay i just want to go break some stuff man it happens well and they are they were excited about making that battering ram which they made amazingly fast as we talked about already but yeah like they're like oh yeah we're gonna break something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think that brings us to your your next note servants we get the reaction from the servants in the castle and they're they're getting ready to to you know fight and i didn't understand the lyrics until i went and looked them up and now i can hear them that i that i've read them but they're saying hearts ablaze banners high we go marching into battle unafraid although the danger just increased so i'm assuming that the danger before was just like hey we're probably going to end up as objects and that's i guess dangerous to us or i don't know but now they have a mob coming and trying to break another castle so the danger has increased from whatever level it was at um and they're they're ready to go like he says their hearts are are ablaze they're marching into battle they're the ones that are defending themselves in their home so they're not there looting they're there to protect themselves they got to be the winners that's just how it's got to end yeah, and huh. I think it's going to make, it makes them like value living even as objects is better than not living. Yeah. And then I did have a a few little comments here as, as the wardrobe, she's coming down the stairs with her, her little troop of, of fighters here. And some of them are kind of, there's some weird, weird people coming down here. You got an assortment of servants. There's a trust of drawers a mop, a globe. He's going to he's going to do a lot of, of good fighting that globe. It looks like a book stand or like a music book stand. And then there's one on the left and he looks like a tower of buckets, like several buckets stacked on top of each other and he's wearing a bucket as a hat uh, as well as the mop. He's also got a bucket as a hat. And it's like, eh, they got like a helmet, kind of weird. 
kind of weird looking thing. And then we do see kind of at the, the end when they're coming down the stairs here that one of the coat racks is here, the four-armed coat rack, and he's wearing a top hat. And I can't remember which one's which, but here we've got one of them, the four-armed one with a top hat. He's whichever one was uh, playing the violin then, right? I think so. He's the, the fancier one. I don't think... Was he the haircutting one? That's <sighs> hard to remember. Too many coat racks. <laughs> and then I, I love the line, 50 Frenchmen can't be wrong. <laughs> when they're busting down the door. What a line. Like, that must have just made them crack up to write that lyric. Yeah. But again, that's kind of the, the mob mentality that uh, that we see, unfortunately, a lot of today. And, you know, that, that tends to happen when you get a bunch of people together and they say, hey, man, we all agree we can't be wrong. And it's like, yeah, sure you can. Your logic can be flawed. Your morals can be flawed. Just because there are a lot of you that think that way doesn't mean that that is correct. It just means that you all agree with each other. So, they, of course, they're trying to kind of play it as to be funny. But unfortunately, it's how, that's how some people think. Hey, man, everybody thinks this, so it must be right. Yeah, I found myself kind of in danger of that sometimes. Like, not like serious but I feel like with different people I talk to, I can see their way of thinking and like I can be persuaded just because they have so many different points and it sounds true when they're explaining it. But I mean, if you're listening to stupid people, they'll make stupidity sound wise, you know? <laughs> I think that's that mob mentality. Like one person has an idea, they start talking to a couple of their friends, they're all like, oh yeah, that kind of makes sense. And then they, before you know it, they've got a hundred people going out and beating people up or something so have you ever gone and beat anybody up how far did this go <laughs> no i haven't done anything violent like in my whole life besides maybe mm. a siblings growing up <laughs> yeah that doesn't count <laughs> free reign back then um my next note is with them trying to beat down this door the door is like not moving at all from the outside but when it shows it from the inside and the servants trying to like hold it it's moving like crazy like bending <laughs> in two feet worth and whenever you see it from the outside with them beating it it's like you know maybe a couple inches of movement mm -hmm. like whoa who whoever was in charge of the inside animation was not on the same page as person in charge of the outside animation <laughs> <laughs> well i think they they might have that's one of the things that i can be like hmm, i could see how they or why they would do that on purpose because when you're inside if you just got the noise you know it doesn't give you 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 don't feel any apprehension for the servants if they're just leaning up against the door and you hear a banging noise so they really had to to exaggerate those doors being you know smacked and, and hit so that you kind of you're you're anxious for these servants that the doors are about to come down you know you can see them about to come down and then on the flip side when you're you got the mob their movement is themselves and the battering ram so you have all the momentum that they're putting into that through their movements but then they're coming up against this hard door so should they have made the door go in when they hit it? Maybe. For continuity's maybe. sake, I'd say. Yeah. But I think maybe they left it like that and had the door straight up. If it wasn't just out of, you know, laziness or, or overlooking it to kind of give you the, the feeling like, hey, these guys aren't, you know, it's not some easy task that they're just busting these doors down easily, but they're going up against this, this stronghold here. And so there's going to be a battle for them. It's not just easy to, to break their way in, but I might be overanalyzing. You're it. good at that. I like it. <laughs> That's what this podcast is all about. <laughs> and then uh, I did have a note here at second 20. Well, I guess a couple notes. They send Mrs. Potts to go talk to the beast to ask him what to do. First off, when we first see her going into his 
his chambers. The place is trashed. And I'm like, whoa, did the beast trash his room again? I mean, it looks worse than it did before. And I went back and looked because that's who I am. And it, it's actually like exactly the same as it was before. So they probably used the same, you know, the same drawing and just drew uh, Mrs. Potts in instead of Belle. So it's, the room looks the same as when Belle went in there when she wasn't supposed to. But I guess this is kind of the, the continuity error that happened when they put in humans again, is that during humans again, we saw them cleaning up the beast's room and getting it all straightened up and fixing stuff. And here, I'm just guessing it was going to be too much work for them to go back and clean up the room for this like half a second or second shot where you've got Mrs. Potts going into his room and it's just trashed. So I think that was left in from the original version, you know, after they put in humans again and they didn't bother to go back and clean up this room in the animation. Yeah, I actually listened to the uh, commentary by, who was it? Two of the guys. (laughs) Two of the guys. (laughs) I don't remember their names. I'm sorry. But on the DVD version, there's a commentary. And if you look that up, you will know who the people were. But they talked about this and they said, yeah, when when they added back in the Human Again song, it does mess up this continuity part with his room being a mess. And they're like, ah, well, like, it's not that important. The audience can just assume that he was grieving the loss of Belle so much that he tore everything up again. But when I was looking at it, I said, well, that still doesn't work. Because she's only been gone, I don't know, maybe six hours or maybe a day. I don't know. But she hasn't been gone that long and there are cobwebs and stuff on Mm. everything. So I'm like, "Uh, you can't explain it away with that, you guys. (laughs) Those cobwebs wouldn't be there after a day. I feel like this is when, if you bring this up to somebody that made the movie, they're like, why are you even thinking about this? You should not be putting this much thought into this stuff. Don't worry about it, Bobby. Let it go. Let it go. Yeah, but I mean, we're serious about this, obviously. Yeah. It reminds me of, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, don't quote me on this, but I think it was the Back to the Future Minute guys. And I think they talked to one of the, like the director or one of the people that, that worked on the film. And they're like, oh, we're analyzing this and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, why would you do that? <laughs> He's like, why would you put that much analysis and time into looking at these movies? One minute at a time. It has been very interesting. I felt the same way at the beginning because I wasn't really into the movies by minute, you know, fan club or whatever you want to call you guys. But it's been fun for the, you know, third of the podcast that I've been part of it's just interesting i think it's just fun to talk about something that you loved and yeah just to really take a closer look at it and notice the funny incontinuities and dissect the relationships and all the fun jazz that we've been doing speaking of which how did mrs potts get stuck as the one going to get the battle plans from the beast like i feel like that's something cogsworth should have been doing and maybe that's just because i have my own headcanon background story for him as like being in the in the military and you know now he's he's serving in their household as head of household but even as head of household i feel like he'd probably be the one you know he was kind of directing the troops earlier to to be the one to go to beast and be like hey you know what should we do the only thing i could come up with is that maybe because mrs potts is the most sensitive they were like hey he's pretty upset about this whole bell thing you should be the one to go talk to him about what we should do now that there's a mob outside (laughs) Well, yeah, maybe they're thinking she's not as useful for the fight since she's elderly. Mm, 
That could be true. I didn't think of that. And she's a fragile teapot. So, I mean, if you look, most of the objects or servants that are at the door are pretty sturdy objects. Like they don't have any of the, you know, plates or anything there, but they've got the beer mugs (laughs) and they've got the wardrobe and they have the sturdier objects there for the fight. They don't really have the breakables. Nice. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, I'm clever. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. even have the the video in front of me. Be looking at it and just remember. Um, LeFou is really getting into this battering ram. I mean, he's not actually touching it. He's just singing, kill the beast, kill the beast. But he's like totally dancing as they're slamming into the doors. So he's he's getting into this. He's loving oh, it. Oh, yeah. His little punch and his belly showing a little bit. <laughs> yeah, he does his like his fist swing. Let's go get him thing he's doing while they're ramming the door and then we go back to to beast you know we have the back and forth between the servants at the door and the battering ram and the beast and this is after yeah so this is like second 39 ish beast is there like caressing the bell jar that's holding the rose and mrs potts is trying to get a plan out of him and again to the sound design i mean unless you're listening to with headphones or you just have really good speakers you probably won't hear it but if you go back like right at this part you can like hear where they put in the sound of like claws scraping over glass as he's caressing this thing really it's like it's like yeah that these are things you don't notice when you just watch it on a tv like across the room but you put on a good set of headphones or i guess if you had really good surround sound or something you can like hear like his fingers scraping across the glass uh as he's caressing it and like oh man they they put some serious detail into the sound of this movie that's weird because as i was listening to it over and again this minute i was trying to hear that sound and i didn't so it must be like crazy subtle yeah a little too subtle <laughs> probably got to crank it up but then i'm guessing the next thing to talk about then is his his answer right that he says it doesn't matter now just let them come yeah it doesn't matter now just let them come so emo. did beast really learn how to love because he's being pretty selfish right here like in his own broken heart he's gonna let all his servants suffer i mean really that's kind of messed up he hasn't learned to love them. He was only willing to love yeah. Belle if she loved him back. And now that she's gone, he's like, it doesn't matter. I don't care about any of your lives anyway. And I want to die. So who cares? <laughs> I can see it a few different ways. So first would be that, okay, he just had his heart broken, essentially. And we can all be a little rash when we're upset and especially to the level of something like this you're just like you know what i don't care i don't care about anything anymore and you do but in the moment you're like whatever i don't care you know that's a dangerous place to be in especially in a situation like his where there's something volatile happening at that exact moment because you can make a bad decision and be like i don't care about this and then the next day you're like oh what did i do uh yeah he'll change his mind in about five minutes when he gets arrowed (laughs) arrow (laughs) hey spoiler alert um (laughs) but so that so that's one part of it maybe he's just really upset and being you know dramatic and like you said being a little selfish but we're all a little selfish when we're we've been hurt and in a bad situation the the other thought i had is that maybe he's like okay you know whatever we're stuck with the curse we're all going to be cursed i'm going to be stuck as a beast you guys are going to be stuck as objects who cares if they kill us it'd be better off being dead than living forever as a beast and a bunch of objects so maybe that's where he's coming from it's like at this point you know we're not going to get out of this it's better to better to die than to live like this but can any of the objects even die yeah i don't know 
Uh, I would I would assume so. I mean, if you smash them into enough pieces, Lumiere would have to get like melted down. Existing. I mean, those are some gruesome yeah. deaths. More than likely, they'd all just get taken back to the village, and like I don't know, the whole village would have this plethora of alive servant objects. That would be weird. Nah, they'd probably all escape into the woods or something. But <laughs> nah, they'd be like, it's, it's just the witch burner, burner. I mean, that's the life that Beast is gonna push on them <laughs> if he dies, and they're all just stuck as objects forever without him, without a, a purpose. Well, and this gets kind of deep into the into the curse lore. But you know, if Beast dies, if the curse ends and they end as objects, do they just turn into objects and, you know, lose their lives and, and they're dead, but the objects remain? Or do they continue as living objects? Or do they get to be people if Beast dies? Probably not, but maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think anybody knows. That's that's kind of the frustrating part and the great part. You can make up your own story, but you'll never know because no one ever thought about it this much. <laughs> I'd like to assume that they would all get to be people because it's kind of messed up for them all to live, you know, 20, 30, 40 more years as objects when the beast is dead and it's like nothing can change. But I guess nothing can change anyway after his 21st birthday. They're all doomed anyway. But I don't yeah. know. I guess it's better if they can't turn into humans if he dies because then there'd be like a homicidal motive if the beast died and they all got to be humans and they could have just killed him. What? And then they'd all be human and then like they'd be cursed uh. <laughs> because of that. <laughs> this is how my uh, mind works. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so the mob breaks in finally. <laughs> and there's a ton of stuff here to, to greet them. And it's, it's very randomly and suspiciously placed all like lining the front entryway. And I have, I wanted to talk about some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. We, we get to see some stuff we haven't seen before and some notable things. Uh, the first thing I have is the tete-a-tete, the uh, courting slash conversation slash indiscreet bench. The S chair, as I like to call it. The S chair. If you don't know what we're talking about, it's this bench uh, that is, is from the time period. Uh, it's a French design, but it's essentially you, you have a bench, but instead of sitting side by side, the way that the back on the bench is set up is so that you're how would you you're sitting next to each other but one person <laughs> is facing one way and the other person is facing the opposite direction but because of how the bench's back support is done in kind of an s shape you're actually like looking at each other because you're facing opposite directions and you're sitting on opposite sides of the bench so that's why it's called a courting or conversation bench because you can have a conversation while you're both sitting on this bench comfortably instead of like when you sit next to somebody and you're trying to have a conversation with them and then your neck gets all tired and you're kind of like half turning and then you it you know you guys know what i'm talking about well it was also supposed to be like more um what's the word more appropriate because you wouldn't be touching yeah. like mm-hmm. your thighs aren't touching or anything because you have this full like wall between you basically so it's more appropriate that you're not touching in that lower area you can still hold hands but you're not touching lower bodies yeah and so that's why it has many different names the courting conversation indiscreet tete-a-tete bench kind of cool to see a little period period uh furniture in the piece um we got a harpsichord on the tete-a-tete i was just gonna say if we ever have like a fancy room i want one Mm. that's all i was gonna say (laughs) okay (laughs) 
So we got a lot of, like I said, a lot of a lot of interesting objects in here. Uh, Carrie did notice that at like second 53 on top of one of the bookshelves, we get a, well, it's a, kind of a conquistador style helmet, kind of that, that early Spanish kind of colonizer type helmet. Um, but it looks a lot like the one that John Smith wears in Pocahontas. And this is, this is a, a few years before it, but maybe that's an Easter egg they put in here for Pocahontas. Probably not, but. <laughs> Why are you bringing be. that up when that's my note? Huh, I didn't know if you were going to bring it up. Did you bring it up? How dare you? I said, did you have anything else? And you said, I want a tete-a-tete in my house. Well, yeah, I didn't know that was my opening talk about anything else. I thought you were going to go through your objects, and then I was going to go through mine. Oh, well, I only have one more object, and it's it's going to be a big one. Ugh, marital discord. That's what this is right <laughs> Anyway, okay, so if I'm supposed to talk about all my objects right now, then I will bring up this globe, the globe that's on like a really tall stand. It goes from being brown to being blue, from being on the left side of the room to being on the right side of the room. At one point, it looks like there's a tiny globe like on top of the wardrobe on the right side of the room. And I'm like, is that supposed to be the same globe or not? It's shorter. And like this globe is just all over the place. And I don't know what they're doing with that globe, but he moves a lot. And then the other thing I noticed was the mop that's on the right side of the room with the objects. At second 53, the floor is dry underneath it. And then two seconds later, it's all like this giant puddle underneath. He peed his pants. (laughs) (laughs) Gross. But yeah, I thought that was interesting. And... That's all I've got. Well, no, wait. I got one more object. It's at second 57, but it's that object that uh, it's got like two cylinders going horizontally in the crank. And you only see it for like a split second and then it's gone. Like it wasn't there for the few seconds before or the couple seconds afterwards. But it's there for that split second. I'm like, whoa, why'd they throw that in all of a sudden? And... Bobby told me it's one of those like laundry cranks that presses out the water from your laundry back in the day. So I thought that was cool. And I don't know if it ends up being part of the fight coming up, but thought we should note that it's here for a split second. Yeah. Okay. What's your big object? The last object that I have is a character. So this is you see him a little bit when we first see Lumiere, but then at the right at the end of the minute, uh, we get a close up of Lumiere, and next to him is bum ba da ba 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 bum the music box. And we've talked about him a little bit before, but this is his his main appearance in the movie here, um, where they left him in. He was originally, uh, like I said, I'm pretty sure we mentioned this before. He was originally supposed to be one of the the main characters, and he didn't have any lines. He was just gonna like play little music and chimes and dings and stuff at different parts, and he was essentially replaced by by chip um which we we talked about in our, our last episode but here's his debut his his only part that he was left in the movie is here next to lumiere and he doesn't really do anything but he's just there and he looks like he's he's a little bit angry ready to fight the mob i did find out did some researching that in a disney comic that was set before the film so it was a comic about beauty and the beast but it happened before the film happened so what's that called a prequel i guess in comic form to the movie that he wasn't supposed to be a human he was just a music box that was the prince 
prince's favorite toy and that would play and lull the prince to sleep but the prince had a tantrum and broke him and then he eventually got put back together um and then i guess that that went into the movie when they were going to have him in the movies after he got put back together and then in the uh 1989 screenplay the music box actually belonged to bell's mother who had died and in that version maurice was a merchant not an inventor and he was forced to sell the music box his wife's dead wife's music box to pay taxes and so that's why he left it wasn't to go to go to the fair it was to go find a buyer so that he could pay taxes so just interesting little tidbits about the music box that we see at the end of the minute here uh, with lumiere yeah i wouldn't have liked it as much if maurice was gonna go sell his Late wife's music box. That's so heartless. It just it shows the desperation of where they were at. Yes. Yes. <laughs> if you don't have your wife, I guess you don't have to have any of her prized possessions. It's gonna disappear at some point. Just sad. All right. Yeah, it's kind of fun how they left him in there for just a little bit. Yeah, he gets his little his little debut. Do you have anything else? I think it's odd as a mother that Mrs. Potts still seems unaware of Chip's absence. <laughs> like she's got she's a lot of in... kids. There's a lot going on. <laughs> but Chip is always with her. Like It's kind of apparent that he's the one she tries to keep out of mischief and keep with her all the time. Mm-hmm. So how is she not like, you know, they're attacking the castle and Chip is still missing. <laughs> You know, something like that. Like, there's no apparent awareness that her son is missing and he's been gone for at least a few hours. Mm -hmm. She's not a very good mom. (laughs) (laughs) I still have my doubts that she's actually his mom. But, yeah. She's not a good nanny or whatever she's (laughs) supposed to be. She has no idea where this kid has gone to. And he's the one that makes mischief. And the castle is being attacked and she doesn't care. Oh, like you've never forgotten your children. Uh, (laughs) I'll forget that they're asleep in the next room if they're like the youngest. But (laughs) they're always asleep. I forget about them. Well, my, uh, my last note here for the minute is about the mob. So we see them entering the castle. And you kind of have like, there There are nine mob members that are actually like drawn out in detail. And a lot of them are, are people that we have seen before. They're some of Gaston's cronies. Every Tom, Dick, and, and Harry or whatever their names were, I forget at this point. Stanley. Stanley. Every Tom, Dick, and Stanley. Uh, I believe they're there in detail. It looks like maybe the one of the bakers is there and... Uh, there are, there are a few different guys that are there that we've seen before, but there are nine of them. And then like the shadow army, that's just like a silhouette of different people carrying stuff. But in the, in the mob of the nine that we can see, well, two of them have torches. Okay. You need to see it's dark outside. You can kind of use a torch as a weapon a little bit. Um, LeFou doesn't have a weapon. Then you got a guy with a pitchfork. I got with an ax. There's one guy that actually has a sword. There's a guy that has like a pan maybe and then on the on the very right of the screen the little guy has a cannon and then like where did he get a cannon from he's pushing this cannon into the castle what and, and you don't just walk around with cannons especially they were marching through the woods cannons are heavy man you would not be just pushing that thing around and so i did some research and most likely 
based on the size of cannon that he's pushing around, it's just a signal cannon. So it's not actually, uh, or they weren't actually used for, for firing, you know, balls or anything. They were just used to signal. And so it would have, you know, been worthless to them storming the castle. And just an interesting side note that cannons are what killed castles. So if you ever wondered why people stopped building castles, like the big, majestic, beautiful, you know, Disney-esque castles, it's because of cannons. So back in medieval times, we built these big castles out of stone and big walls and towers and, and, you know, the, the Merlons on top of the walls. Those were all defensive. It was a defensive structure um, as as much as it was beautiful. But when cannon warfare started becoming a thing, they just, it would take out a castle. You know, something that was impenetrable before was now just decimated by, by the invention and use of castles. So castles were replaced eventually with uh, bastion forts. So they're, if you go look them up, they're kind of cool looking, but they essentially kind of like star looking designed forts. If you look at them from the top that were better designed to repel against cannonballs and you would have better defensive positions and better offensive positions from, from inside these forts. And so from essentially the the use of cannons onward, we didn't get as as uh, beautiful and elegant castles. Our fortresses became a lot more sturdy and not as awesome to look at. With you know, they're a lot thicker and and angled walls and sloped walls and you know, stout towers. We didn't get the the tall, skinny, beautiful ones. So cannons basically killed the Disney castles. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, kind of sad, but kind of cool. Yeah, well, I wonder. I'm making it's making me wonder why they have this cannon with them. Like, did they find it outside, and maybe they're planning on firing it to let their loved ones know they made it there, <laughs> or that the <laughs> you sound so congested. Oh, in case you can't tell, Carrie's got some uh, allergies going on right now. <laughs> okay, so um. I was saying, I wonder if this cannon they found outside of the castle or something, and maybe the plan is to signal it to let their loved ones know that they made it and they're okay, or that they've killed the beast, like it's going to be a success signal to the village, that way their wives aren't awake all night worrying while they're pillaging all night, you know, that'd be good. Yeah, that would be thoughtful. I don't think that's where it came from. <laughs> like, I don't think they should have wheeled it all that way, but uh-huh. that that might be what that man is thinking. Like, hey, this signal cannon was right outside the door, so you know, let's bring it inside. And <laughs> <laughs> It's just weird. It's just weird. Guy with a cannon, kind of weird. Somebody had fun drawing that, throwing it in there. Like, we need a canon in this movie. Well, and I like, unless you were going to say this, I think we should say that I like how they have their faces just, like, drop after they've made it in the castle and there's no one to fight. Like, the beast isn't sitting there roaring, mm. ready to go or anything. So you're talking about, like, like Lumiere and the music box and all the objects. They they go into their incognito mode. What? You're I'm talking about, about the mob. The mob? Yeah, the mob's faces just all like uh, blank, like they've been all ferociously like kill the beast and intense and excited, and now that they're inside, they're just like kind of disappointed, 
or like they're kind of confused like what do we do now where's the beast like we're gonna have to search this giant castle and find him is he even home maybe he's out hunting or something yeah like you just see this all their faces kind of go blank like what now he's not right here well i think that might be kind of the the moment of surprise like when you're doing something they're they're trying to break into the castle that's what they want to do but they might not actually expect to do it and then they do and they're like oh wow like that actually worked like now what do we do and then combined with what 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 you were saying there's not an angry beast you know snarling and, and attacking them inside the the castle it's this really nice looking castle with all these books and you know nice furniture and stuff just like sitting there like oh wow like this this is not what we were expecting and you know they kind of got to creep their way into this creepy castle now huh, that's a good explanation i guess as a man it might make more sense from your logical perspective like were they just so concentrated on the current task that now now they're like what's next that sounds kind of like what you're saying like they were so concentrated on let's let's break this door down see if we can do it first of all and then they actually do it and they're like oh, okay what's next we didn't actually talk about what to do from yeah. here and they're like it kind of looks like a museum or something everything's right here ready for the taking yeah it definitely threw them off a little bit and we'll get to see their reaction in uh in the next minute but i think that's all i've got for this minute yeah that's all i've got i mean it's pretty much breaking down the door <laughs> yeah this is the minute where they broke down the door <laughs> And Beast was selfishly grieving in his messy room. <laughs> and yet we've talked about it for like 45 minutes. <laughs> Yay. True, to, true to tradition. True to form. We have talked about a very brief amount of time. <laughs> it's taken almost an hour to talk about. It's what this is all about. Mm -hmm. Well, on that note, We'll go ahead and wrap things up. As always, you guys can find us on the interwebs. We are Beastly Minute pretty much anywhere anywhere you want to find us. Uh, we've got Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Haven't been posting a lot of stuff recently, but but we're on there. So come find us. Leave some comments. Let us know what you're thinking. Uh, come find us. Come check it out. If you want to uh, get a little more deep into the conversation, see some pictures from the actual minute, go on Facebook and join our Beauty and the Beastly Minute listeners library group. It's an open group, but you do have to be approved to join it. That's where we'll post pictures of the minute and you can you can see the stuff we're talking about as we're talking about it. If you are on that page looking at the pictures and uh, I think that's all I've got. You got anything else, Carrie? I was wondering how do you decide whether or not to approve people for your group? basically if you don't look spammy and you're a real person you get to be in the group yeah it's just trying to keep out bots and uh fake accounts essentially uh, okay yep. so you're w everyone's welcome basically everybody's welcome and if you want to get a hold of me you can find me like i said on the social medias or you can uh, go to growlermedia.com where you will find my bio my bio is on there bobby and it's got links to all my personal social media stuff where i sometimes post things that are fun we'd like to thank megan the cartoonist who did the podcast art for us thanks to duo hansen for the intro and outro music you can find them on youtube and until next time listen to whatever podcast you can find but remember beauty and the beastly minute is mine and mine
wow, something is really different. I'm a growler. You just can't storm a castle alone. 50 Frenchmen can't be wrong. But, I mean, if you're listening to stupid people, they'll make stupidity sound wise, you know? Yeah, he'll change his mind in about five minutes when he gets arrowed. How dare you? Two seconds later, it's all like this giant puddle underneath. He peed his pants. (laughs) (laughs) No, they made it there, or that... (laughs) You sound so congested. (laughs) That would. I was just wondering if I... (laughs) Well, let me take a break for a second. I'll try to blow my nose. Hold on. Amplify, amplify, amplify. What? (laughs) I don't think it helped much. Oh, it sounds a lot better. Okay, good. (laughs) Ooh, who are we supposed to thank? It's been a long time. Should have left you. Yes. Engineers. Yes, yes, yes. And Johnny's. Well, he was more of a guest than a... I'd dispute that one. I'm keeping your bones.